0: Yes, hello and welcome along to the Global Game with me, Simon Hill, and Alex Brosk. We've done away with our usual high-energy opening titles for this week because of the gravity of events of Saturday night at Amy Park during the Melbourne Derby, a game, of course, that was later abandoned. Upbeat is not the overriding emotion in the game of football in Australia at the moment. And what transpired was upsetting, unforgivable, sickening, disgraceful. Once again... Football has taken a double-barrel shotgun to its own foot. Over the next hour, we'll try to assess what happened and why and what is the way forward for the game in this country. As ever, we welcome your thoughts and opinions. Our number is 1300 01 Or you can text us on 0457 736 736 or tweet us at Global Game SEN. Before Alex and I have our say, let's hear the views of the game's leaders. First, James Johnson, CEO of Football Australia, who are, of course, the A-League's regulator.
1: I'll start with saying that I'm uh, horrified, I'm irritated, I'm angry with the scenes witnessed at Amy Park uh, last night. We have a case of some individuals. I will not refer to them as fans of football, I'll refer to them as individuals who have confronted and uh, attacked a player and a match official. We have been in touch with the APL, with the clubs, and I've personally spoken with both Tommy uh, and Alex as well, who are right in the centre of the pitch invasion, who I'm happy to report um, are, are healthy, but they are shaken up. This is the first investigation it will be to determine what the outcome of last night's match will now be, since it was abandoned before the final whistle. That is the first uh, focus of the investigation. The second will be a show cause uh, process that will be opened uh, with Melbourne Victory. And the third focus of the investigation will be against uh, the individuals who we are seeking to uh, to name, we are seeking to identify, and we'll seek to sanction individuals. This pitch invasion, and I want to be clear about this, it has nothing to do with the gra- groundswell and the rising of our game. The parent that takes their child uh, to grassroots football in Brisbane, or the young boy who plays in our elite pathways in Perth, or the 40-year-old woman who plays um, amateur football in Sydney, or the fans who peacefully protested in Central Coast Mariners, Uh, in, In the Wellington game and Newcastle game, all the other 2 million people across the sport who love and support our game, this is not about them. It has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with the 2 million people who love and support our game week in, week out. This is an element that goes beyond football. It's an element that infiltrates our game and that really try to ruin it for the 2 million people who love our sport And it's those people that we will be targeting in this investigation and who we will weed out of the sport.
0: And our apologies for uh, the quality of some of the audio there in uh, James Johnson's statement. That show cause, as I'm sure you know by now, was duly delivered to Melbourne Victory on Monday morning. Victoria Police, meantime, said on Sunday they were investigating the events and on Monday three people were charged. Uh, Today it's been confirmed that two lifetime bans have been issued, including... Uh, one to the person who has been labelled Bucket Man who threw that at Tom Glover. Uh, Victory CEO Caroline Carnegie also made a statement on Sunday.
2: Uh, First and foremost, we want to make sure and apologise to to Tom Glover and to Alex King. I think there was a Channel 10 cameraman that we injured as part of uh, the fans invading the pitch at the game. I also want to make it very clear that in no way, shape or form does Melbourne Victory advocate for what happened last night, in fact, we condemn it. And there is no possible excuse for players, cameramen, referees coming to work and not being safe. There's no place at our club, no place in the game, no place in the league for that sort of behaviour. I'm disgraced, at, appalled at what happened last night. And, you know, we've tried to work with our fans in a number of different ways to make sure that they can be here to support the club and do it in the right way and I think last night shows us that you know, we've come to a, a point in time where what we've been doing probably hasn't been as successful as we'd like and we just can't condone what went on. Uh, but there are a lot of fans of Melbourne Victory and a lot of members that do the right thing and they turn up and they support the boys and they support the girls and you know we stand as, as one with those fans but, but the others that just dis- displayed what they did last night, we don't want them in our club.
0: That's uh, the words of Caroline Carnegie, the Melbourne Victory CEO. Finally, let's hear from the CEO of the A-Leagues, Danny Townsend, who appeared on Sunrise on Sunday.
3: Yeah, look, it was disgraceful. It was a a small group of individuals that used the Melbourne Derby as a platform to demonstrate antisocial and illegal behaviour. You know, it it wasn't just an assault on a player or an official or a cameraman. It was assault on the football family. And, you know, when families are compromised, you need to get behind them and support them and make them feel better and and not dampen their enthusiasm for doing the things they love. And, look, for me, it wasn't a reflection of football. It wasn't a reflection of the A-Leagues. It was certainly not a reflection of Melbourne Victory. It's the biggest club in the competition. Their fans love their club. They, they love the, the teams that represent their club, they love the players that represent their club, and importantly, they love football, and those people do not love football.
2: Or will you consider banning all fans that were there for the victory?
3: No, not at all. You've got to be sensible about these things. These are a small group of, of perpetrators that, that don't love football, that don't love the A-League and don't love Melbourne Victory, and we've got to weed them out, and we've got to make sure that what happened on Saturday night never happens again.
0: Well, that decision not to exclude all supporters, of course, may not be the APLs to make. Football Australia's show cause letter to victory on Monday states that the governing body has a wide range of sanctions at its disposal, including fines, the loss of competition points and or the playing of matches behind closed doors or on neutral territory. Now, today, uh, supporters of the rest of the A-League clubs or at least the uh, active groups that uh, represent them have put out a collective statement and they have reiterated their commitment to the cause that saw supporters these are their words not mine boycott and walk out of stadiums this past round they say they were shocked at the scenes that took place in melbourne on saturday and condemn any of the violent protests that have damaged not just the message behind a peaceful active and unified movement but the reputation of football supporters across the country Nevertheless, they say we must endure in solidarity to enact meaningful change within the game we love so much for the good of its future. And they go on to say the governance of our league by the APL and the handling of the grand finals decision has highlighted the need for true reform that puts fans at the centre of decision-making. They go on to make four requests. They want the establishing of an A-League supporters committee, that is consulted by the APL on decisions that impact its key stakeholders. Secondly, structural change in governance at an APL board level to have total independence from any club involvement. Thirdly, a wholehearted and unreserved apology by the APL for their disregard, egregious disregard, that's their words again, not mine, of the game's key stakeholders, players and supporters in brackets in the grand finals decision. And fourthly and finally, an exploration into the reversal of the decision to sell the next three grand finals to destination New South Wales or any commercial alternatives available. That's uh, with all the badges of the various active groups across the league, excluding Melbourne Victory. Uh, And it must be said, Canberra United, whether they have been consulted, of course they have a women's team, but not a men's team. Um, But uh, we're told that they have been consulted with uh, that statement as well. Now, it goes without saying, of course, that uh, we at The Global Game are relieved that Tom Glover, Alex King and the Channel 10 cameraman who all suffered injury at the hands of these thugs are physically OK. That's the most important thing. On a wider level, where to from here? I don't think I've ever been more despondent about the state of affairs as I was after the weekend just gone. Every stereotype that we have fought hard against for years was underlined in triplicate on Saturday evening. Every fracture in the game exposed for the world to see. That this story made headlines globally the day before a World Cup final should be cause enough for those involved to hang their heads in shame. Sadly, I fear these idiots would only revel in their notoriety. I doubt they're football fans, but if they are, and they may be, Then the answer's simple. Enforceable lifetime bans, which you've already seen for two, for pitch invaders and jail terms for those who cause injury. Victory will be sanctioned too as a club, rightly so, even if the majority of their fans did behave in the correct manner. Sanctions may yet be applied to Melbourne City as well. But that's the easy bit. Now, the genesis to this was, of course, the APL's decision to sell the next three grand finals to Sydney. I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's any excuse. It's not. Peaceful protest is a democratic right. Lawlessness isn't. And it's not the first time the original style Melbourne group has created problems. Even so, it's difficult to imagine this scale of trouble had the APL decision not been taken, especially as the victory chair, Anthony Pietro, rode back from his involvement in it, setting in chain a domino effect which saw clubs duck for cover as the mushroom cloud of fallout grew ever larger. The timing of the announcement can also be called into question, coming as it did in the build-up to one of the competition's biggest fixtures. Now, inevitably, with football in Australia, the blame game is in full swing. Even I received an unsolicited text from a member of the coaching staff at an A-League club over the weekend, suggesting it was my fault and other members of the media that this trouble had occurred for fanning the flames in criticising the APL's decision. Essentially, he was telling me to try to remember which side my bread was buttered on. Now, this is part of the immaturity of the game here. He knows who he is, and he's wrong, especially in his assertion that I'm employed to be a voice of the game. I'm employed to cover it, not by football, but by Channel 10 and SEN. The media, of course, have to respond to events. And for people like Broski and I, who are voices in the game, when these things happen, we're asked for our opinions. And given the complexity of this decision... Forming opinions aren't always easy. Come out on the side of the money that the game obviously needs, but impacts upon sporting fairness, and you get pelters from fans who question your credibility. Come out on the side of the fans, and you leave yourself wide open in the aftermath of incidents like this. The alternative, of course, is to to stay silent. Then you get accused of hiding. You simply cannot win. As I said in last week's show, being a journalist today is becoming almost an impossible job. We want the game to succeed, of course, but we're not PR agents. Most people think we should be, but of course, only for their side of the argument. Independent media is almost non-existent in the mainstream these days, in all walks of life. That's downright dangerous for democracy, Never mind sport. Which is why the maxim always has to be, call it as you see it. Now, I thought the APL's decision was wrong, if for understandable reasons, and their messaging was rather chaotic, evidenced by the fact that some clubs almost immediately broke ranks with it. That left Danny Townsend alone, like a shag on a rock, to take the flak. Now, some have quoted Stephen Lowy's words from a few years ago when he told the game to be careful what it wished for, calling them prophetic. Maybe. But let me remind people as well that had his board implemented the necessary evolution at the time and kept everyone inside the tent, the full-scale revolution that followed would never have happened. That too was a game of power, ego and money. They are all too regular occurrences at all levels of this game. And it seems that whoever comes out on top, the game is the loser and ends up further divided. And therein lies a pretty big problem. We're now seeing some people, some fans of former NSL clubs, for example, excluded from the top flight in 2005, of course, expressing their glee and telling us they told us so after Saturday. As one media colleague said over the weekend, if the game has alienated fans of old soccer and now many a new football, then what's left? What is the solution? Rip it up and start again? No. The answer, and it's always been the answer, is to come together. So I call upon Football Australia to hold an extraordinary summit, involve reps of the A-League clubs, NPL clubs, grassroots, what's left of the football media to cover it, and most of all, the fans. They are the voice that has been excluded for too long, and on Saturday we saw that the lunatic fringe will take that exclusion to the furthest degree given the right provocation and take the law into their own hands. That cannot be allowed to continue. We have to find a way forward, and that includes everyone, and puts football and the fans back at the heart of the game. That won't be easy. It may even prove to be impossible. But football has to try. Conduct a full review of what's happened over the last decade by government decree, if necessary. Yes, again, because these problems have their roots in a series of decisions made by the Games leaders over the last 10 years, including World Cup bids and expansion, the relationship with active fans, the governance war, unbundling and many, many others. On the back of Saturday, we have reopened the door to all the old prejudices regarding the sport. Repairing it is going to take an awful lot of work, but it's got to start somewhere. Football will not die, but the A-League has sustained a heavy blow in the wake of Saturday night. Broski, your view.
4: Um, Look, I think you covered it very, very well there in most parts of it, to be honest. And and look, I think from my side, look, I think the whole issue with the fans walking out, it does stem from the APL decision. um, And and it is a a terrible position to be in. The timing of it, obviously not great. um, But... Look, it it does open things up for a a wider discussion that probably should have been had um, and now definitely needs to be had. I mean, on the one side, you've got the financial aspect, which is impossible to ignore, right? The reality is, you know, we don't have clubs that are supported by leagues, clubs like other other codes. We don't have billion dollar TV deals like other codes and and government funding. It is hard for us to get. So, you know, all of a sudden, New South Wales government throws $20 million at the game and the trade-off is the grand final situation that we got where obviously the fans aren't happy, but if you turn down the offer, how do you then go and ask for money later? So you've, you've got that part, right? And and, and mm-hmm. how do we get money from them in the future? So for me, it, it sort of just comes down to the communication, how it was communicated. The APL should have sat down with all active supporter groups around the country in the beginning. I mean, there was talk that you know they should have had a voice and, and a seat Um, to help with these decisions. The APL said they spoke to fans, but clearly not. Clearly not because they're not happy. And this isn't a decision that would have gone down well. So if they'd sat with them in the beginning, laid everything out on the table for them, for for everybody to see and to understand why it needed to be done. Um, Because like I said, a, a game needs the money. Of course it does. We're not big enough to turn down this type of offer. But you also can't ignore the fans. So in just sitting down, laying it all out, and explaining to them why this... In a way, needs to happen. Surely there there would be a level of understanding. The games can't be that na- uh, the the fans can't be that naive to to listen to everything and say, well, no, we're not happy because then they don't have a game to support in five years time after this TV deal, right? So we there needs to be a level of understanding from both sides. But look, I, I think that what you mentioned there, your comments about the finger pointing that happens within our game that that's the part that disappoints me and really, you know, at times makes me really annoyed with our game and and, and at times again w- want to walk away because as soon as there's any sign of trouble instead of sticking together and finding a way through it we we've got you know in this particular situation CEOs and clubs distancing themselves from the APL leaving Danny Townsend high and dry to deal with a decision that they all contributed towards making right so they cut and run so If the people who made this decision, they can't stick together. What chance do we have, right? This isn't a time for finger pointing and people saying, you know, it's the air fault and and this person has fanned the flames. We need everybody to come together, understand what's happening within our game and just find a way to move forward, to grow together. Um, And that's the issue here. Otherwise we want in five years time, we don't have a game. It's that Mm. simple.
0: (sighs) Just on a broader level, Broski, um, and we've seen sort of a, a bit of this, you know, with the World Cup and the controversy over uh, whether it should have been held in Qatar or not. And, of course, the, the European Super League continues to bobble along. It, it appears to me that we're sort of at a critical juncture as a game almost where the, the game is, is now so reliant on money that we're almost f- fighting over the soul of the game, aren't we? You know, the, the original culture, that the legacy fans, as we <laughs> as we've been labelled. Um, over the commercial realities. And it seems to be at every level of the game, not just in Australia.
4: No, it does And you look at how we sort of have gotten to this point. Why Why is there a need for the European Super League? It's because the greed of some people to, you know, it starts with what the players are being paid, you know. Well,
0: I was going to say, the players have maybe got to have a look in the mirror. I'm not necessarily saying in Australia where they get paid a lot less, obviously, but the top stars in Europe get paid Obscene amounts a of
4: money, crazy amount of money. The transfer fees that we see. But look, I, I do find it hard to point the finger at the players. I think as a player, if you're being put something on a table, you, you're never going to turn mm. that down, right? So it's on the it's on the game itself. To this needs to be regulated somehow. I mean, you know, we have a salary cap system in here to avoid that from happening, to avoid what we're seeing in China at the moment. You know, where you know clubs have gone bust, billions of dollars has been spent and gone down the drain and now their football their economy is is struggling because of it and it's hard to to come back from that so in a way thankfully i mean the salary cap has stopped us from from getting to this point but everywhere else around the world that then grows the need for how do we bring in more money more sponsors more eyes and 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 that's how you commercialize the game into what we're seeing but then you risk alienating the fans and getting the fans upset and and you need them more than anything else you know so it, it's, it, it is a shame uh, where the game is heading and, and you know.
0: Um, Hopefully and- we can <coughs> find a solution in Australia at least. Um, 0457 736 736, if you want to send us a text. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a fair few tonight. Uh, one from BT in Perth. Unfortunately, there's going to be collateral damage to innocent Victory fans. Uh, the North Terrace has had culture issues and a poor record for years, whilst under the guise of Melbourne Victory fans. Uh, Harsh penalties are the only way to ensure the pressure is kept on the club to clean up its terraces. Thank you, BT, for that. Um, This one from Jay from the Blue Mountains. Uh, The pitch invasion was by an overwhelming majority of aggressive, low-intelligent men, yet the women's game uh, will ultimately share in any penalties and consequences as a result. This is especially frustrating uh, right before the Women's World Cup. Absolutely, totally agree, Jay. Jay. Um, and we will ask uh, Alicia Carnavas about her views a little bit later on in the show as it affects uh, the women's game. Uh, keep those uh, texts coming through. Uh, coming up in the rest of the show, we're going to review the rest of the Round 8 action in the A League men's competition. We will hear from Brisbane Roars' Tom Aldred on his team's win in Newcastle. We'll discuss the World Cup final, which saw uh, Leo Messi finally get his hands on a winner's medal. Spencer Pryor will be giving us his view. Alicia Carnavas, as mentioned, reviews the weekend action in the A-League women's. And Paul Williams looks ahead to the restart of the domestic competitions in Asia. That's all to come a bit later. Uh, as per usual, we've got a double pass to an A-League men's game of your choosing for our best texter, stroke caller, stroke tweeter. So join the conversation 1300 01 11 70, or text us 0457 736 736. Or you can tweet us at Game. SEN. We're back after this short break.